This is a HeadGum Podcast. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Do you pick a different pad every time, or do you always do C? It's always C. C for Caroline? C for Christ. Oh, okay. Um, it's his favorite chord. I heard there was a secret chord that Kevin played, and it's the C chord. And it was C. And it was C. I guess it's not that much of a C chord. Standard C. Uh, Lord, we're we're thinking about nativity. We're thinking about birth, mm. the new birth, how we are made new, how each of us are born anew every day, born again. But you were first born on December the twenty fifth, that very date. Much like as I found out today, Jeremy Strong was born on December twenty. Yeah, that explains a lot. Doesn't it? And God, we want to honor your birth. We want to honor you as a baby and a child, first and foremost. The innocence of that, the nursing you had to do, the accidents, all of that, all part of your humanity and your holiness. (laughs) God, we just want to lift that up. So, Caroline, why don't you open us? If anyone feels led to pray, they can jump in whenever they want. I'll close us out. Lord, you know, so often during this season, we just focus on your birth. We, we focus on your birthday, December 25th. Um, we're lighting candles. We're opening presents. We're spending so much energy and love and focus on this one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I want to talk about is not the birth, but the afterbirth, Lord. The days that follow yes, Christmas absolutely. that we call the afterbirth. But all the things that come out, you know, after that day, there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of ceremonies skipped. There's a lot of cleanup, uh, you know, emotionally, uh, Mm. um, (laughs) trashly. Trashly. And just because it is the afterbirth doesn't mean it's not valuable to you. Come on. And I know every person that has uh, given birth is, is just clapping along with me right now, snapping their fingers, screaming Hooting in agreement. And hollering in their cars. Saying, thank you. Thank you for saying this. So, Lord, we pray for those days following Christmas, you know, that that weird stretch, 26 to 31, 30. Sure. Uh, that you will bless those days, that we mm. will be focused, that we will be stepping in faith, <laughs> and that we will be honoring and recognizing that just because it isn't the big day doesn't mean it's not a big deal. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. Yes, God, I want to echo my sister Caroline's prayer. It is rare that we're having her pray this much and not just read scripture (laughs) or sing back up in the worship band. But Lord, I do want to echo that sentiment because you came down and you became man. And much like Will Smith and Independence Day, we said to you, welcome to earth. (laughs) And also, welcome to birth. Uh, something new for you. That's yeah. pretty wild. If anyone else feels led to pray right now, they can jump in if they want to. 
If not, we hear those unspokens. We receive them in Jesus' name, God. Yeah, praying for that. And uh, we pray. We pray for the presence of your presence this Christmas season, Lord. Mm. We pray for people to express their faith in whatever public property, may it be a courthouse, mm. may it be um, the White House, yes, God. may it be the Capitol Steps, or maybe like a little anniversary show mm. uh, next month. I'm sure some people have planned <laughs> at the Capitol. Lord, we, we pray for freedom of expression because we want to be rebels for Christ. <laughs> and the specific way we want to rebel is by having state-sanctioned religion uh, that might actually be literally unconstitutional. It's for all these things in your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here comes Christmas for me. And the tea is... That's why they had to take the uh, Old Town Road off of the uh, billboard charts on country music because it was too different. They couldn't, they couldn't find a category for it. And they said, it's not country enough, but it's not rap enough. And we don't know what it is. It's different. That's why they crucified Jesus. <laughs> Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. And we're here to have Good Christian Fun. There was a clip going around of Mr. Stephen Furtick. Mr. Stephen Furtick from a North Carolina church. I want to say it's called Elevation or Elevate. He's oh, yeah. Uh, Something like that. That one's huge. Big time. He's a big boy. Uh, he seems like he could be a part of that Chad Veach, Hillsongy, Carl Lentz, you know, just the Avengers of um, douche bro uh, <laughs> sneaker pastors. Gorgeous. That Justin Bieber's mind would be blown by speaking complete <laughs> sentences to in a certain Aww. context. And that was a clip that went semi-viral on, on Twitter in which he did compare the um, the genrelessness of Old Town Road uh, to Christ's crucifixion. It's the same thing. People didn't know where to put it. It's not that um, there's an inherent racism in country music that then you have to have Billy Ray Cyrus do a feature on it to get on the country charts because <laughs> country music is not kind to black people unless you're Darius Rucker. It's actually about... Being you, different. It's about being different the <laughs> way Christ was different. And he was a little rebel. He was a... Ragamuffin Rebel or whatever. I mean, at least he was pro Old Town Road. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anti Little Nas X, which, you know, an absence of homophobia is is a resounding support. The bar is in hell. Good (laughs) Christian fun. I'll take it. (laughs) It's the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the music and the movies and the entertainment made for and made by Christians, but we're not here to make fun of you or to make you go to church. We're just here to have fun. We're here to have good Christmas fun. Right. We might make you go to a Christmas Eve service, but only because we know it's beautiful and and you have a nice time. You know most of the the, songs. You know the songs. Yeah. It's not like checking out this new experimental artist where it's like, it's industrial music mixed with indie pop. mixed with No one's raising their hands. Everyone's just trying to hit those harmonies nice and neat. Yeah. The only thing they're raising are their candles when they're lit. Yeah. Um, It's going to be like, you know, a familiar, comfortable area for most of us. (laughs) And we continue this season of... 
you know, you know, the silent night, holy night, and everyone raises their candles and then blows them out. I mean, keep a PG on this podcast, please. It's Christmas time. No, I'm not talking about like, you know, (laughs) office bathroom talk. I'm saying they literally raised yeah, lit save candles. Save it for the office bathroom. Okay. New second service. Hey. What happened to that office bathroom? We take yeah, you, you there now. You have no bathroom to go to. Oh, gracious. But we're talking about the nativity story. The uh, We're talking about the living nativity episode of Adventures in Odyssey. Another edition of Adventures in Podyssey. Yes. And to do so, we do need a very, very special guest. Friends and folks, a returning champ. You may know her from the Frank Peretti or QAnon episode of this very podcast. She's an author of books like The Myth of the American Dream. Give it the hell up for D. L. Mayfield. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she's come down the chimney. Musical guest. Lil Nas X. Uh, I was hoping for some tender Tennessee Christmas, like playing music, but that's fine. Uh, you fine. know, that's a good point. It is. You know it, what I mean? I don't want to like give you notes already, but giving notes like, already. No, 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 no. I, I appreciate them. I, you know, I know this is the season. We don't, we don't know exactly how to do this podcast. Hey, you hear that weird thing right now, Caroline? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Hang this on. Crazy. And oh everything's gosh. fine now, right? Wow, the flow. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> now that we know that, you know, you do get to request a song at the end. So keep that in mind. That could but, be your going out song. But to, just to give okay. listeners uh, a, a sneak peek, what Danielle would have preferred is this. Yeah. Hey, friends and folks, you may know Doing her as zany. an author. You may know her as a podcaster <laughs> herself from the Thank prophetic you. imagination station. I just like Cheryl this Crow is, told this me This is like time. the Kevin, melancholy. Your face is you know? stupid. What's that, Danielle? It is melancholy. Yeah. yeah you this per- is the melancholy. It just, you know, brings me back. My parents would play this every Christmas. It was oh. this and, you know, Charlie Brown and Manheim oh, yes. Steamroller. That was it. That was like, it's like. When you're a Christian kid in the 80s and 90s, that was like the trifecta of We Christmas had Mannheim music. Steamroller in my household too. And I like didn't know if anybody else ever listened to it. It felt like something yeah, you made up I in a fever, too. right? That's how I feel too. <laughs> it's very bizarre. I actually hate it to this day. It's like, but, how do you, know, you make electronica for middle-aged adults? It's like, do you get that? It's weird. It's, I it's think it's almost weird. like uh, um, Mannheim Steamroller might exist in a space of Red State <laughs> Camp. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where it's so exactly. bombastic and dramatic. Exactly. Yeah. But it does, it's still appealing to a certain kind of crowd. So I would say maybe that's... It would probably still work on me. Charlie Brown Christmas, that's, you know, tacky to say greatest Christmas album ever, greatest Christmas music ever. I feel like it's good Christmas music that ages with you because the sort of oh, yeah. melancholy quality... Of all those sad little kids, that depressed bald child moping around <laughs> <laughs> like a little so loser. So child. depressed. And it's anti-consumerism, right? So that's an endearing sure. message. Oh, you're I talking love. about the, the TV special, right? Yes, yes, yes. At what mm-hmm. point does uh, Linus says, like, abolish corporations? What does he say in that? <laughs> yeah, he basically is like, let's overthrow capitalism. Um, <laughs> but he, said, he also, like, quotes from the book of Luke. So that's very cool. Because I think Aww. Luke would... Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. 
with Linus. So, yeah. But, you know, what was uh, a bummer, you know, because cancel culture comes for us all at some point it or does. another. Is it that there does. was, when that, t- when that special was released, there was a tweet thread of like, actually Linus bought his blanket from Walmart, which has <gasps> oh, like horrible labor conditions. <laughs> and he was exposed. He had to do a screenshot notes have apology of like, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. my blanket and where and I bought it. And he was it. rude to the low wage workers when he did it. <laughs> Lucy would be socialist, I bet, right? She'd be like a loud little girl boss on Twitter that would, you know, Mm. rally people and start the revolution. It feels like it. I don't know. I disagree with you there, but that's okay. She was very into like charging for her services and getting a fair wage, which is not exactly socialism, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, she was a little entrepreneur. I think she would have just wanted power in whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. domain came her way. No, you're absolutely, you guys are absolutely right. I've, I've been schooled. I don't know why I said Lucy. Of course, her, hers is the only character where literally a dollar amount is attached to the iconography of her character. It's like free uh, advice, two bucks or whatever. No, I guess. Maybe Schroeder. Schroeder's a little artist kid. Sure. You know, he probably doesn't even think about money or he's really bad with Pig it. Pen. Yeah. But we could Wait, do Wait, is his name Pigpen? <laughs> Am I making that up? That's not his name. No, That's the kid no. with the blanket, right? It's Pigpen. There Pen. is a oh, character his... no. named Pigpen. Okay, okay. There's Linus. Yeah. There's Pigpen. That felt like an insult I made up. There's Peppermint. Pe- well, I think it's an insult now because of him. I think he calcified <laughs> yeah. it as an insult. Yeah, it used to not be insulting to say someone, you're like a Pigpen. <laughs> yeah. They were like, thank you. And then after that cartoon, it shifted dramatically. Oh, man. Well, it's good Christmas fun, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us again on the show. Yeah, I'm still, like, sort of upset because I do feel triggered oh. by the prayer in the beginning. Yes. You guys. <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's yeah. work through okay. that. Okay, let's, okay, let's work. Can we just, like, work through something? Because yeah. I was, mm-hmm. like, the world's best Christian, right? Up yeah. until I became a raging an- Christian anarchist. We and heard about you, yeah. Yeah. And so like when there was like a prayer time, like a popcorn prayer, you know, I was like thinking the entire time, what is my prayer going to be? It's got to be good. It's got to be spiritual. It's got to be great. And like my older sister, I now idolize my older sister because she was just like, hell no, I'm not going to (laughs) pray. And she would just stand there like with her arms crossed. So that's what I did today. So I'm sorry to enjoy it in your prayer, but I'm like, I'm like exercising this newfound power where I can be like, no, I'm not going to join the prayer time. I don't have to feel pressured to pray. Correct. But my this gosh, is your the year anxiety, of the anxiety no. just came over just me. Say so I'm like, no. It's <laughs> my year of no. And I just want to say, if there's anybody out there listening, you know, who was with me in that spirit of anxiety of, you know, people are doing a prayer circle, what the heck am I supposed to do? I just want to, you know, just no say one that. can make you pray anymore, DL. I'm not even, even yeah. us. Isn't that a rule? Taking the power back. It's like <laughs> I relate to that feeling. I remember being so cheesed off if I had a little nugget locked and loaded, oh and then my someone gosh. And then said they ended it? a version of it oh, before that, I yeah, got yeah, yeah. to it. Oh yeah. And it felt like IP theft. I know it wasn't technically, but that's what it felt like <laughs> to me. Theft. It felt like it. It's if it's like I wanted to pray for theft, the city yeah. and for revival, and then someone <laughs> yeah. said that before. In a more eloquent way than I could. I didn't have like an additional thing. Yeah. Well, and then there was also like the pressure. If no one was praying, then you're like, okay, I don't okay, want to be the jump first in. one. But also like, uh-huh. I can't let this prayer die on the in the street. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to help out my group. Like I had to be here. So I could come up with something on the spot, like easy peasy every time, you know, and I would yeah, jump in there. That's I keep it brief. That's why... 
like liturgy is so popular now. If you're like deconstructing evangelicalism, it's like, oh my gosh, I get to go to a church where like the prayer is written out and I don't have to make it up. And there's no, <laughs> there's no popcorn prayer. It's like really great. There's no oh, theater. You mean if you're deconstructing your faith, Danielle, literally the sexiest thing a <laughs> yeah. person could do yeah, in this day wanna, and age? Yeah, if you want to like get a ton of street cred is you go <laughs> to your local Episcopal church and you join the liturgy. Yeah. yeah. And then like everybody thinks you're extremely cool because you can like do an Instagram story about that. Badass. And it's just like really great. Yeah. It's different. It's, it's so different. hot. The only reason anyone would ever push back on the white evangelical culture they were raised mm-hmm. with that they uh, now, yeah, have have bumps or issues against. It's not because of queer people. It's not because of women. It's not because of no. social justice. It's not because of no, race. No, 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 it's no, not no. because of the 2016 election. It's because mm-hmm. it's very sexy, as we found out. I'm sure you saw mm-hmm. the uh, the clip to which I refer. Um, uh, a pastor in the Dallas area. Wait, do you know this clip, Caroline? No, I didn't see that. Matt Chandler, right? Yeah, yes, Matt Chandler. It, Matthew yeah. Chandler. Oh, Let's go ahead. And pull it up. If I can, you know, finagle this audio situation <laughs> again, it, it might be a little, a little long walk. Here we go. This is a clip that was going around. It was a TikTok, and then people on Twitter found it and uh, sort of made a meal out of it. This is Pastor Matt Chandler from the Village Church in the Dallas Fort Worth area. You and I are in a day and age where deconstruction. And the turning away from and leaving the faith has become some sort of sexy thing to do. (laughs) I contend that if you ever experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, actually, Uh. that that's really impossible to deconstruct from. But if all you ever understand Christianity to be is a moral code, then I totally get it. Oh shit! That's what I was doing. Being it, machi machi. All those years, I definitely—that's all I thought it was a moral code. It's whoops. It's so good. It's th- this clip <laughs> rules. It just gives the whole game away of like, <laughs> if you got it, actually, if you weren't completely fucking this up, then you wouldn't deconstruct. But if you're a dumb little baby, then yeah, I get why you would deconstruct, you dumb baby, because it's sexy and hot, and you want to fit in with all the cool kids yeah. on post-evangelical Twitter. What like yeah, black chest really stains cool. throwing it's a really party fun. everyone <laughs> wants to go to, and you have to show them your deconstruction card to get in or whatever. It's definitely not a morose oh. group of people in, in grieving period. And but he does got me there because I am trying to be hotter, and that was part of the process. Um, and bringing, I think it, it worked. It really did. We're bringing sexy back. back. <laughs> yeah, you're both glowing. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> I'm seriously like power. so upset because my former pastor wrote like a sort of viral article last week about deconstruction for the Gospel Coalition about people do oh, it because no. they want to sin and they Ooh. want street cred. And oh, is like, it the four reasons de- people deconstruct? Yes, and that's yep. literally my former pastor and. Mm. At that, you know, church, I, me and my husband raised a bunch of concerns and we're told like, oh, it makes sense. You guys just want an easy gospel. Like we get it. Go ahead and leave. Like you don't we do get it. You're so Portland, <laughs> like leave. And it was really sucks. And now I can, you know, sort of laugh about it. But like the Matt Chandler stuff, I'm like, this stuff like really impacts people. Yeah. And I just want to say if you're listening, you know. That's obviously gaslighting. Let's just call it what it is. And 
you know, it's a technique, it's a strategy, and it's been going around, you know, since the dawn of time. But I just I'm, don't think people can take that from us. I, I, I want to get your perspective because you probably have a, a better one on it than we do. Why it feels like such an existential threat in a way that it wasn't five or six years ago. To me, it didn't feel like that, or at least it wasn't message as, su- as such. But it feels like people have been walking away from faith or leaving it or doing a new version of it that doesn't fit in with conservative orthodoxy for forever. But why is it only now that there's all this, I would say, a little moral panic or, or you know, whatever you want to call it around the idea of like, oh, okay, so a lot of people are doing this. Well, we can explain why. It's actually really simple and you're, you're stupid if you, if you don't get it. Like, why, why is it only now that it feels like it's really getting to them in a way? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do think, you know, post 2016, there's just been a huge increase in people interrogating white evangelicalism and what is actually there, you know? So as the political stuff continues to be more and more overt, because I think we're going to talk today about like a kid's radio program that came out in 1992, which has the exact same strategy of, you know, the Republican Party currently. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's always been there, but Trump, you know, really caused people to ask some questions And, you know, there's a huge exodus of people leaving. And also, you know, the culture has changed. And I think that Christians are like, oh, oh crap, we lost. Now it's time to shore up our small remnants and, you know, take control by force is kind of my perspective Mm -hmm. on it. It's kind of depressing, but, you know. Well, and it feels like they sort of transferred the the terminology to, to deconstruction, whereas before, I feel like when we were growing up, it was just called, like, the culture, you know, like, Culture mm-hmm. is what's taking people away from the church and they're sort of like hypnotized by rock music and dance video girls or whatever, like away from what their church is. But this is an interesting one because it isn't necessarily people like wanting to cuss or have sex, although that is certainly part of it. But like it's it's very <laughs> specific critiques about uh, like theology, you know, and the issues people have with that. Um, which I think is a little, must be a little bit uh, scarier for pastors. They can't just kind of like broad brush it. Culture is the problem. And that's why kids are leaving church now. So so have you guys been like called out as being like people who are deconstructing publicly? I'm just curious about this. Uh, well, yeah. define called out. <laughs> well, <laughs> like have, have people, like somebody told me the other day, like a person I really like, and I'm involved with them in this certain program. And they were like, oh, we want you and Crispin to lead like a deconstruction group. And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I deconstruct. Like, uh-huh. I know my old pastor thinks that, but I'm like, if I'm like extremely religious person, like who, right. but it's just fascinating. I was very fascinated. Like, it's like, oh, pe- do people perceive me as being someone who's publicly deconstructing? It never crossed my mind. Yeah. But I wondered yeah. if you guys had gotten that at all. A little bit. Well, yeah, I, I feel like people almost as uh, an organiz- organizational technique, not even yeah. as a stereotype, people just want to say, this is what this is. Because again, when it takes like 12 paragraphs to describe like, well, we're kind of making fun of Christian pop culture, but we were kind of like, you know, it it's just easier to put in like, oh, it's like a deconstruction thing, but funny and you know, just kind of yeah. go with that. <laughs> I think but I mean? that label has been tossed at us. And I remember the first time you and I heard it, like we were both like, wait, wait, hold on now. You know, like this is a culture podcast, if anything. And it was funny to be 
categorized like that. I understand yeah. why people did, but um, well, it makes it sound like you're Michael Gungor. Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, like, oh, like that. Gungor. We were setting out to do that, so I'm sure you felt the same Take way too. That name out of your mouth. <laughs> no, that's honestly probably what I am thinking of. So when people tell me I'm like somebody who's publicly deconstructing the faith, I'm just like, I'm not a fucking liturgist. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not out I here. I love liturgy. I'm not, I'm not trying to start my own cult, which Are you a liturgy a bit... or liturgist? Were you liturgized or were you liturgist? <laughs> you get the liturgist of it? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah, I guess that's the yeah. thing is like, by associate, because there is no formal, there's no like Nashville statement about deconstruction. Yeah. Do you know what? Uh, within the community. Yes. So there's no so, like we it's believe. It's just like being publicly blah, blah, blah. critical of yeah. evangelicalism. I think is considered deconstruction I at this point. Love being publicly critical. So <laughs> if that's what it means, then yes, yeah. I am that. I do think we're all way too sad and way too anxious to be properly organized, and that's mm-hmm. probably true. Yeah, but that's one thing I have thought. It's like if you got all of us who are ex- you know questioning the very foundations of white evangelicalism, if we if you got us all together we would definitely start a revolution. And, you know, that's kind of what we tried to do at our old church, which is probably why they were really mad at us, is we tried to take as many people with us. It's like, (laughs) I'm not going quietly. Like, no, that's how the game keeps going, is Mm. let's just ask people, like, do you think gay people, you know, Mm -hmm. should be allowed to be married, should be allowed to live, can be Christians? It's like, if yes, then get the hell out of this church. What are we doing This church is never, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's probably what, makes people mad. So that's probably it. Yeah. It, it's such you an know. interesting gloss over even in that video we played where the only assumption that it could be is that it's hip, that it has to do with cachet more than legitimate. Pe- yeah. Because it almost <laughs> just feels like, and I feel like that's even aberrant from like a lot of mainstream conservative Christianity where it's like, hey, listen, we need to love the LGBTQ community. We need to love people better. Like that perspective that we just played is kind of aberrant. Like, oh, you guys are just, you know, you're going to the club or something. <laughs> like it, it, it's strange to not acknowledge hurt. That feels odd and uh, strange. Matt Chandler should be noted also declined to be interviewed for the Mars Hill, uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Interesting. Uh, so, he, uh, you know. And he does. If you can, you can seek out clips of his own. I wouldn't say he's he doesn't have uh, Driscoll energy in a lot of his sermons, where he's calling his congregation weak little cowards for giving him criticism and not signing their name in an email and and things of that nature. So, oh my gosh, there's oh a my gosh. <laughs> there's a certain kind of uh, Christian that likes to be yelled at a lot from the pulpit by a charismatic, charming person, or what. Is considered charming to them. But anyway, B- BDS amen. BDS amen. <laughs> they call it. You know, they've called it that for generations. I saw a tweet a few days, and I'm sorry, I don't have it pulled it up, so I'm going to like paraphrase what it was. And I think it was in response to this video. Now that you played it, but it said something like. Uh, you know, young men, if you're considering deconstruction so you can pursue a life of sin, I actually urge you to stay in the church where you'll have a lot more cover up and like forgiveness <laughs> oh, and less accountability gosh. than if you uh, exit. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, because it should be noted to uh, not to just do our own little true crime pro- podcast, but the Village Church, when, uh, you know, one of the missionaries that they sent out was caught with child pornography and the wife wanted to leave him, the church disciplined the wife. Uh, you can look up that news story that happened a while back. There was uh, child abuse 
at uh, a summer camp that they ran that was also covered up. A uh, New York Times story that he had to respond to from the pulpit, um, seething with anger. So, you know, that, yes, to your point, there is far <laughs> more um, institutional cover yeah. for license like that. I shouldn't say license, for like fucking evil yeah. like that than there, than there is in the world. Yeah. Uh, or it's of a different brand. But yeah. Anywho, the Could rise and fall of the village church. Do you think that's a that's a good? Who do you want to see? I think next? you should do that. You guys should do that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we could. That you think we have the journalistic chops and dedication. Yeah, Mike Cosper has yeah. different training than, <laughs> than we do. Do you like that podcast? Yeah, have you listened yeah, to it? Yeah, he's such an amazing, unbiased person oh. to do a podcast about the guy within his own denomination oh that allowed him to be a successful pastor. Yeah, he's the perfect person, perfect person. to investigate no white supremacy and call out the patriarchy. I'm mm-hmm. such a fan. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is like Christianity Today, who the podcast comes from, was probably part of upholding the power of, of Yeah, such I mean, the Christianity Today, I think I said this last time I was on here, right? I tweeted out one thing about being affirming of same-sex marriage, and they called me on the phone, and they were like, you can never write for us ever again. And I was wow. like, why? And they're like, because you tweeted that out. And I was like, is that a written policy? They're like, it's a, it's a verbal policy. <laughs> Um, and also, you know, you don't that's just saying stuff. Even the verbal <laughs> policy is just saying anything. It's like, well, well I mean, it's fascinating, right? They, they didn't email me. They didn't do any of that, right? It had to be no a paper phone trail. Call. And they had just paid for me to like go to this training and all this stuff. And when I asked why, I kept pushing back. And, you know, they got kind of heated and were like, well, you just don't believe in the Bible anymore. It's clear. And I was like, I do let me prove it. You know, I was like so ready mm-hmm. to just like, for you. I was trying to, I was trying to move the needle. You know, I didn't do sure. that at all, but I thought I was. Just hold their feet Le- to it a much, little bit. You know, <laughs> and I just felt so demoralized after that um, conversation. But somebody who worked in the offices later uh, found me and was like, I could hear that conversation, you know, in the other room. And I was like a closeted queer person at CT. And just like to hear somebody argue back Whoa. and be like, no, I do believe in the Bible. So tell oh me my what gosh. you're saying. You know, Aww. they're like, it meant a lot. I was like, oh, my little argumentative nature. I just oh, can't yeah. let it go. I, I was a little coal in like, your fire, I bet. <laughs> I'm just like, going. you guys, I believe in the Bible so fucking much mm-hmm. that I think God loves people. Yeah. Can you believe that? You know, yeah. like, right. and they just didn't accept it. So I don't like anything from CT. Uh, so let's just say that out there. But I yeah. do think I, I listened to one and a half episodes and I was like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Because the they position, did not focus on the, yeah, they didn't focus on the survivors in any way, shape, or form. Oh, uh, in and the, in, yeah, in the podcast, and that's who needs to be centered, and that's where it needs to be. It's like I don't care about the survivors, like the staff and the people that went there. Yeah, I mean, there's so many women. One of my friends is Stephanie Drury. She does like the account stuff. Yeah. Christian culture likes. I don't know if you know her. She'd be a great podcast guest. Let me just plug her. Mm-hmm. You know, she found out about Mark Driscoll and all his abuse uh, because she was like in a in a group therapy situation and all the women in therapy were like suicidal and they all attended Mars Hill Church. Oh my God. And so she was like, what's going on at that place? And she started investigating and she's been sort of like a Mark Driscoll watchdog for years and years and years. And so I asked her what she thought of the podcast. She was like, 
No. So I trust they, the people. They do an episode later that talks to the women and like who suffered abuse, but it is so. And they do cover suicide. Scratch the one surface, of the and it doesn't <gasps> oh, do. feel. Oh. Yeah. So they they do that coverage, but it 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 was not satisfying to me either. Although I think <laughs> they probably did a little more than you expect them to in covering the way that gender. It was just so weird because they were saying that like the way Mark talked about gender and the way they believed about gender caused problems for people's marriage. But it also was saying, but complementarianism as a as a thing can be good and functional and fine. It was just here. It was just way. It wasn't really even complementarianism. It was just really intense or whatever. And I'm like, no. Yeah, if it, comes, it was. Like, <laughs> if it comes down to like, well, the actual issue is execution. It was kind of mean about it. Was, that feels it, like then, the whole podcast was yeah. like, it was just an execution problem. Or so he should have. He should have been so rough. Yeah. Oh, he shouldn't have done that thing. I mean, should listen, what he was saying pastor was great, doing the same stuff. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what it comes. Yeah. And I think the thing that really bothered me too is they were like, oh, the reason people like were traumatized was such a big deal is because God was doing so much good at that church. Like if the Holy Spirit wasn't moving, like people wouldn't be so impacted, right, by Mark being a bad person. It's like mm-hmm. God was doing so much good. And that's where I, I think I fundamentally have an issue with the podcast is they have to uphold this idea that the church did so much good. Um, that's why it's kind of devastating that Mark turned out to be a jerk. And I'm like... Yeah, That's, right. No, that is not it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's starting from the assumption of of uh, I almost said fresh fruit, like it's a grocery store, <laughs> fresh produce, you know, that the Lord was making over there in Seattle. Whole foods, like the fruit was mixed. I was like, if one person's abused, the fruit is not mixed. Yeah, the fruit is right. rotten. You know yeah. what I mean? One like, bad apple, like cops, right? Am I getting that right? <laughs> exactly, Kevin. <laughs> Abolish reformed bros. I will like put that on a sticker, Please. put that on my car. I okay. will do it. Let's say you have infinite resources, you have a team, you have producers, you have people who you can uh, 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 command uh, gently and not yell at them to make an investigative podcast about the rise and fall of some evangelical or Christian institution which one would you want to interrogate? Which one would you want to tackle? Oh, that's a really good question, Kevin. I don't... And don't say GCF, please. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not going to say that. I will say this is just like really depressing to me because, again, of my personality. But I I wrote a book about a hero of mine. Her name is Dorothy Day. She's like a radical Catholic anarchist in the 1930s and beyond. And... um. I'm not a Catholic. My mom was raised Catholic, but, uh, you know, it's, she became an evangelical Christian and then Catholicism was like the devil. And so, uh, going back, I'm, I'm trying to reclaim some elements of like Catholicism and I try like Dorothy Day is actually in the process of canonization. I've become very obsessed with the process of canonization and who we deem saints, like both historically and currently. And I try and log into like these masses that they do for her at like, you know, St. Peter's Church in New York, and I'll be, like, trying to get into it, and then, like, I'll Google the name of the cardinal, and it's just, like, the first 10 pages are just, like, abuse cover-ups of, like, Ugh. abuse scandals and all this stuff. And I'm just, like, I I just don't know what to do anymore. Like, any time I try and dip a toe into institutionalized or organized Christianity, be it, you know, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, I, it's just... 
it's it's really bad. So I'm like, you could literally do hundreds of thousands of those kinds of podcasts, mm-hmm. which is so depressing. DL, so I know exactly how you depressing. feel because I go through the same process every time I voice support for a male celebrity in any form <laughs> or fashion at all. Yeah, I'm going to cut together a montage of... Uh, <laughs> Caroline, you were you know, super into Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> literally, <laughs> actually, maybe. I know Danielle. a lot. Kind of found where he lived in Pasadena and would walk by. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was joking. <laughs> sweet, sorry for your loss. Sweet, uh, yeah, sweet accuracy on that one. <laughs> that one hey, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, time just keeps moving forward. The world only spins forward, as Tony Kushner said in Angels in America. And, you know, I've voiced cancelable things, too. Like, for example, Caroline, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but a listener did find our episode that we done on Jesus Christ Superstar a couple years ago. And we were like, who would you want to play Jesus Christ in uh-huh. another version of this? I was like, who's that kid who plays Dear Evan Hansen? I think he's pretty good. <laughs> and um, that's not something I stand by now. Uh, that is a regrettable take from me. So much so, to grieve. So, there's, yeah, there's so, a lot to mourn here. Exactly the same as my it's story. Really it's, similar. Yeah. it's really similar. It's really similar. Sort of the downfall mm-hmm. of Ben Platt and the many cover-ups in his career. Yeah, and I, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of resonate with what you're saying, Danielle, about like yeah. the uh, effectiveness of of shows like this because there's a certain point at which it feels like throwing rocks at airplanes in the sky where what's going to happen, especially it's not like that podcast where it's over, you know, I mean, there's lingering effects and trauma, but that, it, that institution is over and, you know, it manifests in a new way in Arizona, but uh, there's almost uh, to some degree, just the wisdom of like, you do have to focus on, and I feel this way a little bit, just in some personal relationships in my life now of just speaking to the individuals that may still be, ensnared in some of those institutions mm-hmm, where it's mm-hmm. like you'll never you'll never change uh management as it were you're not gonna you're not gonna change anyone's mind or heart at that level but if you can get to all the people below or at least some of them or even a few of them then you can erode a lot of the negative sort of dark power that that can have over people's lives mm-hmm. it's like power to the people right the reason yeah. i love dorothy day is because she was like a firm believer in um you know the catholic church is historically the church of of the poor around the world. It's not like the Pope. It's not these, you know, cardinals in New York who let abuse slide. It's people, people who have faith mm-hmm. that a God sees them and God loves them. I'm sorry to be so Christian on your Christian podcast. No, please. But, you know, it's like, hey, we don't get enough of this, obviously. <laughs> so this it's is refreshing, like, actually. Flavor. <laughs> This is exotic for us. I am not deconstructed. I'm just trying to prove it. And Nobody believes me. No, we know. Christianity we know. today. <laughs> um, speaking of canceling people. Sure. Uh-oh. Are we going to talk about Mr. Whitaker? We are going to talk about Mr. Whitaker. Uh. You know what, Danielle? That might be a perfect <laughs> transition to a break. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to cancel fictional characters on Good Christian Fun. <laughs> this HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an aura frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an aura frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. 
Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Good Christmas Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Oh, that's loud. Oh, baby. Well, before we talk about Adventures in Odyssey, let's just give us the rundown of Christmas for you in 2021. The traditions, the liturgy, whether you do Santa or not for the children, uh, what's going on in the Mayfield household as far as Xmas goes. Oh my gosh, you mean like this year? Yeah. Or just, yeah, yeah whatever you've established in your family in, in the past. Yeah, this year is like the depressed year. And, you know, I thought last year was the depressed year, but it turns out <laughs> oh, no. that is nothing compared to this year. And right. I have not even listened to Christmas music, but we've had a Christmas tree up for like a month now, you know. That's very and impressive to me. Month. Yeah. It's, we have like a pre-lit, like fake snow-covered tree, and it brings me <gasps> a lot of joy. And yeah, like we have not done like Advent, calen you know, candles with our kids. We used to do that every year. We have not done that this year. Uh, I We have not gone to church. I just... I'm not into any of it. And I used to be like a huge Christmas person, like mm. huge, huge, huge. So I think I'm burnt out, guys. And You know, we I, call this a yeah. silent night, a uh, stretch to a month. We call this, uh, when I'm calling being um, unemployed come around Christmas time, I'm calling it home for the holidays. Oh, home for the holidays. <laughs> I'm an agoraphobe. It's true. That's and right. So we I'm don't like, go Always out. home for the holidays. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Always home. Yeah. So there's there's something a little festive even in the act of nothing uh, during the Christmas time. Did somebody say the act of nothing? <laughs> What's the deal? Seinfeld. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I sound like Seinfeld. <laughs> this is uh, it. Yeah. This year cemented for me the absolute supremacy of the Thanksgiving Day to the Christmas Day. Oh. Thanksgiving Day to me so filled with life joy, low expectations, high, you know, high payoff, great reward, low risk, food-based and centered, not prone to disappointment in the same way that Christmas can be. Yeah. 
Although the Christmas season obviously has better aesthetic, better music, better Mm -hmm. things attached to it. The actual day I find to be a little lacking compared to Thanksgiving Day. Um, So I I encourage people to maybe calibrate their hearts and minds towards a more thankful posture Mm. next year in 2022. Wow. Thank you for that, Kevin. Always overselling and under-delivering is what he said. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, to me, I mean, this is going to be my third Christmas in a row, not spending it with anyone in particular, because uh, I'm not, I'm not going home again. And uh, Dexter's like, not anyone in particular. Oh no, I'm sorry, boy. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's not what he sounds like. Oh, that's no, close. I, I, not uh, anyone in particular. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, I'm sorry. Sorry, it's my Gerbert no, voice. I gotta get a little, I got a little, a little stocking for him or something. Oh. But uh, yeah, what I was going to say about Christmas is, oh, you were talking about Advent. I just wanted mm-hmm. to, this, this is just a digression. Our friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Nick Jester, is a very funny guy and a very great singer-songwriter. Uh, he's doing, for a few of his friends, I'm included, even though the text messages are just direct to me, an Advent calendar of demos of his music that he's working on. He's like, <laughs> hey, every year, every day for the next 25 day- days, I'm going to send you a demo of a song that I'm working on. He had this little graphic with it. He's like, do I expect you to listen to them all? Absolutely not. But I just thought it'd be fun. <laughs> it was such a nice, personal, nice. Oh, sweet that's thing. amazing. And his voice and his, his songwriting and playing is really good. So shouts out to him. Uh, and uh, maybe maybe I'll do something like that next year. Maybe maybe next year I'll do an avid calendar of like 25 podcast pilots in a Ooh. row. I send to all my friends. Each of them are an hour and a half long mm-hmm, where they should be mm-hmm. about 25 minutes. And uh, I have you know, a better idea. What's that? 25 days of Kevin doing his Peloton. <laughs> are you just Live telling feed. me to exercise? Oh, I see. You make videos and yeah, then yeah, yeah. send them to folks. Just see me do my work. Okay. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Do you have a Peloton? I, yeah, I, uh, I, I yeah. am. A, I'm a part of Peloton. You're a little regular Mark Driscoll you income guys, over what here. Is that? No, come on. no. <laughs> Kevin's like one gonna... of the people. He's always saying, <laughs> "No, I'm the 99." percent I promise. <laughs> oh god, I'm experiencing some like culture shock right now. <laughs> like literally in my head, I was like, "I'm talking to California people." Oh my yeah. gosh! Like, oh, get no. with it. Get with it, DL. You gotta. Yeah, like and I have a yoga membership, so <gasps> you really are in the Californians right now. Are we not relatable to you right now? <laughs> well, I'm more of like an Odyssey gal, you know, like small town, <laughs> middle America, white supremacists. Yeah, white I supremacists. Know, like, yeah. I don't know any Peloton users. Theocracy. You know, a and, fundamental yeah. misunderstanding of church and state <laughs> at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much knowledge, yet so little insight into <laughs> so what a- makes a nation work. <laughs> this episode is uh, 20, 20 years old. It's from 1992, so it's 19, yeah. 19 years old. Uh, it's so, so, two decades well, I just, on. I just want to say, Kevin, you asked me, like, let's do an episode on Adventures in the Odyssey Christmas. And then I picked out one. Uh-huh. And do you think I picked a good one or not? I just want to know. I think you picked a rich one. Is it a great episode of the show? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could have picked the, you know, Pokenberry Falls, Wonderful Life ripoff and the three parts that they did with the Barkley family. You could have picked the gifts of Madge and Guy. I'll always remember what the gifts of the Magi is because of that episode. But you picked maybe the most culture war loaded possible, <laughs> like, did James Dobby, old Dobby himself, Dr. Dobby, would have 
freaking love. I'm I sure think he, he did. put pen to paper for this one. <laughs> That's what I was like, his like. fingerprints are everywhere. <laughs> I, f- I smelled yeah, talking yeah. points on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I it was the um, it was the writing debut of one of their writers. I'm not sure which one. I got to look it up. Of of course, on the AIO wiki, which is very much up to date. Uh, it's robust, written, a robust community. Very yeah. robust. It was the. Writing debut of Marshall Steve Younger, Bannon? Steve Bannon, <laughs> whose pen name is Marshall Younger. Oh, and by the way, shouts out. I, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure you might have saw this, Danielle. Will Ryan, the voice of Eugene Meltzner, <gasps> recently passed away. Oh, no. Rest in peace. Rest yeah. in peace. He was mm-hmm, 72 mm-hmm, years old. He mm-hmm. um he had cancer, oh. and so someone you know. This guy who's voiced Eugene Meltzner and was like, you know, a voice in our childhood. That's sad. Uh, has died. Um, and uh, yeah, he worked up until the end. He They banked a bunch of episodes with him. They'll come out next year. They had a little statement of him on the website. It's just wild to think like we're old enough to the point where Eugene has died. Because they're on like... Wit number 25. Yeah. There's- do you do you like remember when Wit died? Like the first Wit died? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hal it Smith, was like a big huge. deal. Yes. yes. Enormous. Hal Smith yeah. to Paul Herlinger to Andre Stoja, I believe is oh, his geez. name. Oh jeez. Okay. I don't He's know any of these, guy. but oh me neither. I'm just yeah. making this up. I, I didn't I don't look this up. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm just doing a, a silly little bit. It's wild. It's wild. I can't remember Gift of Magi, but can remember every wit (laughs) voice actor. (laughs) Will Ryan, who also, I believe at one point, was the voice of Eeyore in Winnie Mm, the Pooh. Oh, wow. Uh, Or I may have that wrong. I believe he was the voice of Eeyore, at least in one of them, which is why they have the little nod to it in this episode in which they say, is that an Eeyore costume? He's like, no, it's just a donkey. Oh, that's cute. Oh. So the, uh, the living nativity is... Basically what it sounds like, a nativity display at Odyssey City Hall sparks a controversy over the separation of church and state. (laughs) Right up our alley in all Mm -hmm. the things that we want to talk about. And essentially, you know, there's a nativity scene that gets vandalized by some kids. So Witt and the gang say, let's do a living nativity. Bart Rathbone, the sort of semi-antagonist of a lot of Mm -hmm. this. Is he coded Italian? What is he like? They're just East Coast. What's that? He's poor. poor. <laughs> I guess he's just coded poor. It's like Sorry to our culture. Italian listeners out there. At like, points, I was like, is this supposed to be a Jewish man? Or is this just someone who's like from Brooklyn and is like some sort of huckster? Either way, didn't feel it. Not feeling it. <laughs> not feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is interesting in light of what happens at the end of this. That's what oh, I was thinking. Course. Like, I would Very because interesting. who just focus on the family think? is fighting to remove Christian symbols from the public sphere, you know? Uh, And to be clear, the the conflict in the episode comes up because they do the living nativity where it's actual people as the nativity and stuff, just a bunch of figurines. And then Bar Rathbone complains because he thinks it's driving traffic to his competitor's business. So it is capitalism motivated, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> ill intent. It's not Bart being like, I hate Christians and they shouldn't express themselves. It's a themselves. marketing problem. It's, it's literally just about money. <laughs> I am also, I don't know if you've realized this, Caroline, but I'm noticing how much Rodney Rathbone has inflected a sort of voice that I continue to do in my day-to-day life. of like, yeah, come on, me. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Oh, Rodney yeah, that's that's something that stayed with me for the better part of two or three decades. Yeah. Um. So they get it taken down by the mayor. Bart makes a call to the mayor. It gets answered immediately, and then uh, 
Then the mayor, actually, I have a clip that I'll play. The mayor calls, you know, the gang into his office. And Your they, title for this clip? They, they have... <laughs> Kevin Rowe, how come chief mayor? <laughs> Just so good. Right. And uh, they have the following conversation. Yeah, why'd you make us take down our nativity scene, Mr. Mayor? Especially after you saw how hard we worked on it. And as I recall, you attended the rehearsals at Wits End last week and said you wanted to participate in it. Now, hold on, hold on. Thirsty. You don't know the whole story story. Well, what happened, Bill? Someone complained that your nativity program violated the separation of church and state, Wit. I see. The who of what? The First Amendment of the Constitution, Ms. Kendall. <gasps> Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. You really should read I more I love history. this insult. How'd you like to be history, Eugene? Thank you. But Mr. Mayor, like aren't you <laughs> prohibiting our free exercise of religion by stopping our nativity scene? Not if you were in a church or at wit's end, but you were on government property, Lucy. And according to the latest interpretation of the Constitution, you can't have Believe a religious display on sexy. public property. <laughs> yeah, Look, I don't like the idea any more than you do, but the Constitution is bigger than my feelings or yours. That doesn't make sense. True. Why would they have something like that in the Constitution? I guess it offends some people, but it's the law of the land. Bart had every right to complain as an American citizen. Bart? Uh, uh, did I say Bart? Uh, I, I, I meant... Uh, I should have figured Bart Rathbone was behind this. But what would Mr. Rathbone Uh-oh. have against our nativity scene? Hmm, indeed. Yeah. It's doubtful he knows what the Constitution like is, Bart let alone Stein. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough, Eugene. All right, Bill. Thanks for the explanation. Come on, kids, let's go. That's it? Aren't we going to do something? There isn't much we can do for now. Okay, so I've let that play to the end because there was a glitch on the Adventures in Aussie Club app that I used to listen to this where the, the episode length is actually 23 minutes long, but it said 14 minutes long on the app, so I thought the end of the episode was... There's nothing we can do for now. <laughs> and I was like, man, Whoa. they just take the L. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> just a lesson in civics, and that's kind of it. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Sometimes you can't always win. I get it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so they explicate the separation of church and state, which isn't even in the Constitution. I love that uh, his explanation to the child is like, Oh, well, just I guess some people get offended, you know, by our Christianity. Like, it's definitely not this more complex issue. They do tease it out a little bit more later in yeah. the episode, but still, I uh, that bothered me. And it wasn't offense in the episode. It wasn't like Bart's like, I don't like that baby. Jeez, it was just like, I want yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think that was them trying to, like, sidestep actually engaging with, like, the argument of someone who would, like, have reason to be offended or... Like, let's make this easier for kids to understand that it would yeah, just be it, revenge or It something. might be the latter because it would be so cartoony of like, I don't like the way the wise man looks there. Like, it would be so mm-hmm. like, you know, twiddling hands, you know, tired down the railroad tracks villainy to, uh, yeah, have someone just object to the visual, which doesn't, I, I don't even know how much this happens in real life anymore in terms of like church and state stuff and, and actual uproar over i remember that one of the case a few years ago of the ten commandments at the courthouse Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean i'm definitely on the side of (laughs) because again they they keep building out the argument i might play a little bit of of the following clip too we can't just sit back and let them do this to us we have rights too do we yeah 
Don't we, Whit? That's a question legal minds all over the country are trying to figure out. One thing's for sure. The way they're reading the Constitution these days, it doesn't look good for and us. And I'm a legal mind. But it's not fair. I can't believe our forefathers would write a Constitution that would make us take down our nativity scene. Well, they didn't address our nativity scene directly. But they did you address three-fifths of a person. 200 years ago didn't want a state religion here in America like they had in England. In England, everyone had to be a member of the Anglican Church. The First Amendment was put in so that people could worship God any way they wanted without interference from the government. But the government is interfering with us. Because we're on government property, that's the problem. Over the years, the true meaning of the First Amendment has been forgotten and replaced with the phrase, separation of church and state, which isn't what it says. Actually, that particular phrase does not even appear in the Constitution. No, it doesn't. But because of that interpretation, anybody can eliminate expressions of Christianity or any other religion from public places. You see, they're not really separating the church from the state. They're trying to separate the state from God. One day, they're going to find out that when you remove God from something, it's headed for destruction. There will be a reckoning. <laughs> well, the best thing is to show people how important it is for God to be involved in everything we do. It's so unfair. The department stores and malls get to put up their Santa Clauses and their Christmas trees. Why can't the private businesses get to really do whatever they want inside <laughs> their private <laughs> businesses. We love. It's not the same. It should be at City Hall where it's always been. Oh, I know, I know. But, you know, that reminds All right. me. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so what we need to do is we kind of need to take a step back. Sure. And I want you both to, like, answer this really important question for me. Yeah. Okay? What is the significance of Odyssey? Like, what is Odyssey supposed to Yeah, what is Odyssey supposed to be? The town of Odyssey, as I understand it. Also, I, d- I will just give this NPR comma for any new listeners. Adventures in Odyssey is this long-running focus on the family radio drama that takes place in a small town in the middle of somewhere America. Um, called I, Odyssey. Yes, called Odyssey. I think Odyssey. it's Ohio. You know, it's sort of a Springfield on Simpsons thing. I think it's some, sometimes mm-hmm, it's Colorado, mm-hmm. sometimes it's mm-hmm. Ohio. It's supposed to represent everyday American values, you know, salt of the earth, real America, small town, middle not America. Not a city. Not a coastal place, not a, a bustling metropolis, but a small Precious White town, yeah, <laughs> innocent, yeah. It's supposed to represent, yeah, the the best of this country, you know. Yeah, I just think it's like pretty creepy when you take a step back, and it's like, okay, James Dobson and Focus on the Family like created this little utopian city where they could like you know play out some of the issues of the day and like biblical stories, and what it is, it's like their fever dream, right, of what small-town America could look like. And we look at this episode, right, their dream is a city where, like, Christianity is privileged and prioritized over every other religion. And I just find that, like, really terrifying, Um, like, beyond terrifying, because they make these little tiny nods to pluralism, but there's actually no pluralism within the town of Odyssey itself, like, Ever. And so to me, I'm like, this is like white nationalistic utopia. Like that's what Odyssey has been from the beginning, from mm-hmm. when this radio program started. And it's like one of the most popular radio programs for kids like ever produced, like ever. Of any is, genre, you're saying not even just Christian? but Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not a ton of like 
extremely popular kids yeah. radio programs. And so I, I think they got the corner on this. And I know a lot of people, even to this day, are like, oh, I have such nostalgia for Odyssey. Like, I grew up listening to Mike it. Pence has um, a lot of nostalgia for Odyssey. He gave them a I shout mean, like, out. Yeah. In 2017, like, didn't he, like, go to Focus on the Family? Oh, yeah. yeah and, like, that's where he made talk that speech. About it? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I'm like, our freaking white nationalistic, you know, vice president loves it. And, you know, friend of the show, Tyler Huckabee, is always tweeting about mm-hmm. how much he loves Odyssey to this day. And I want and I just want to be like, Tyler, like from the <laughs> beginning, this shit was bad. Like it <laughs> is a hundred percent. You know, I was eight years old when this episode would have aired, right? And I would have been like, yes, they are taking like prayer out of public schools. Uh the Ten Commandments, you can't even like have that at courthouse anymore. And they don't even want you to have a nativity scene. Like, oh my gosh. And you know, now I was t- I was telling my kids, I have like an 11 year old and a six year old. I was telling them that I was going to do a podcast about Adventures in Odyssey and, uh, you know, what the episode was about. And they started and- crying. <laughs> And they're like, mommy, Mom, don't. We can't don't, do nativity plays. Do <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why they started crying. Because they couldn't do the nativity. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I kind of talked about the end, which we haven't gotten to that part yet. And um, my daughter was like, wait, are there were there no Muslims in the town? I was like, no, there are no Muslims that live in Odyssey, like, at all. And my son was like, not even we live in portland oregon which is very not that diverse at all but like my kids have are a, aware that there are more than they Christians have muslim friends you know what i mean world, they yes. have like they have friends from all different backgrounds because it's not that hard to do in actual america right. and so that's where i'm like oh this is just so it's definitely Such like bad vibes. Odyssey Such is definitely vibes. a sundown town, you know, like for sure. Oh boy. <laughs> like 100%. There, there is a border. This is probably the first episode where Wit has ever mentioned there being a synagogue in town, right? Do we ever get to vis- visit the synagogue yeah. later? Well, well, just to, are they a part of the community? I think we should close this loop by playing what Wit comes up with as the his solution. creative solution. Yeah. Creativity. Oh my God. Yeah. Just around this corner. Ta da. <gasps> What's all that stuff on the lawn? What do you think? It's all that junk. Shit. Unless I'm mistaken, that is a menorah, a candelabrum with nine branches used in the celebration of the Jewish holiday Hanukkah. You're not mistaken. The synagogue sent one over. Hey, our nativity scene is back up. I don't understand. Won't they just tear it down again? No, it's perfectly legal. But how? Well, because the nativity is more than just a religious symbol. You see, it's a symbol of our culture and heritage. Just like the Christmas tree and the menorah and all the other things you see here. It's called a cultural display, and it's perfectly acceptable, even for those who misinterpret the Constitution. You mean we can have our nativity scene? We sure can. That's great, Wed. Come on, Lucy, we've got to get to work. Right. I'll get everybody back out here. Well done, Mr. Whitaker. A very wise resolution to a perplexing problem. Oh boy! So oh my gosh! They named the menorah, and then they just say, and then some other stuff is. Yeah, I was like, what other? I kept waiting. You know, I was like, things were there. Wally, Kwanzaa. Yeah, are we gonna get in? You know, Eid. You know, Eid Mubarak. No, none of that was there. And so it's like it's like laughable. You know, to me now that one menorah from 
the synagogue, which I don't know if you looked this up, Kevin. I don't know if they ever mentioned the synagogue ever again in the 900 episodes. I, I can't Odyssey. imagine. I'm guessing so. it didn't come up. <laughs> Maybe when they go into the imagination station, do some Old Testament stuff, they go to some synagogues there, but otherwise. But like, that's such a picture of like what white evangelicals think it is what it will look like to live in a pluralistic society. Like this is their vision, right? You have one tiny menorah and then all lights on, like a living nativity. Oh, well, They're singing the songs like, about Jesus. You know? It has the na- the mayor in his pocket. Like they were the all mayor. able to go to his office, like argue with him. And the mayor was like, let me do a little bit of MC Can I be on it later. It's like there was no persecution at, for them at all, really. And, and um, that's the dream. That's and the, the but dream. I think, and he even says like this pluralistic, like cultural display straight up is just a loophole for them to do the nativity. It's not any sort of actual honoring for the Jewish community or recognition that they are also a religion that would like to demonstrate themselves publicly. And to the point that he says later, like maybe other cities will want to know about this creative solution. Like he wants to tell other people about here's this tactic to work your way around things. Well, it was better than giving up. Perhaps other cities would be interested in this solution. Yes. You may be right, Eugene. You, you may, may be right. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take over. Um, Put up one menorah. Yeah. And then you're good to go. Which you're was probably the tactic for go. a lot of, like, you know, religious right fighting the war on Christmas at the time, too. And still is. What's so fascinating to me about this episode, just as an object, and obviously a snapshot of moral panic in the 90s and emblematic of culture wars that have like, you know, it's not this now. It's not nativity scenes and Ten Commandments and course houses. Now it's critical race theory or, you know, whatever, whatever the form it is now. But what's so funny in this episode is that they didn't have to do this, but they put so much latitude in their own dialogue of why this shouldn't be an issue where they say, oh, we could just put it up here and it'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, we we have to do it at City Hall. Like, they prove the point of like why this shouldn't even be like a big deal to there, them. There's so yeah. many rational alternatives. They're like, oh, we'll just do our own private thing. And, you know, here we don't even at have to ball. do. We don't have to do a loophole or we can put up more uh, religious stuff of other people's religions to make people who may not come to Whitson feel welcome. And we should do that. And and who cares about City Hall? We're, we don't belong to the government. We belong to God. But they're like, no. It has to be city hall. Because it's tradition. Yeah, yeah. and also almost because they told us we can't, you know, like we have to do it. Well, I think it's really about like you need to stake your claim as Christians mm-hmm. in the halls of power. Like I think January 6th is literally a directly connected to this kind of rhetoric. Like you mm. don't ever give up the halls of power. You make sure the mayor is a Christian and is friendly to your interests. Like if people complain, you do some word, sort of the weird, cop you is know, friendly menorah to them too. Shit, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? That's why they don't want to do it at the church. They believe their religion should be, again, privileged and prioritized above every other religion. And given a, a place in society where they are the ones with power and their view of God is elevated. And that's why I just keep coming back to, like, how bad this all is. Yeah. Because it is just – is literally – them saying God wants us here. God yeah. wants us in front of City Hall. And it's just really sad. It's like, what would an actual realistic cultural representation of a nativity look like, right? It would be poor, brown-skinned, Palestinian Jews. 
Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And instead, it's like, no, we want to do white people singing songs at the top of their lungs on City Hall property. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that is what Michael W. Smith is doing. That is what Sean Foyt is doing. You know, like that is literally yeah. like we deserve to We have be to here. assert ourselves and like our total freedom is worth it at the cost of yeah. everyone else's. And uh, we must do it. And oh, and, and something that I, I like picked up that I think in all my years of like thinking, you know, that government was trying to kick God out of everything. He says something like, you know, there's a lot of people who are hell bent on, you know, removing God from um, the government or from the public. And that will lead to destruction. And he just says destruction is just like a catch-all for what will happen. And I think that's so interesting to me now. I'm like, what would be the destruction actually? You know, like, I'm sure they would say it's like, you know, culture would fall apart and everyone would get pregnant out of marriage and whatever. But like, there isn't actually a lot of provable destruction, you know, for removing religious symbols from what is supposed to be a public place where everyone is able to express their faith. So, yeah, but that's like Jerry Falwell it's and just Pat Robertson rhetoric yeah. 101. It yeah. And, yeah. And it's so plain to me now, it's, whereas a kid, it would actually scare oh me, my gosh. you know? Yeah. That's it was the like thing. This fear. is for kids. Yeah. This is for this kids. Is, so, this is such a boring topic for kids, you know? <laughs> but I'm sure plenty of kids like me got Bob, fired up about it. Should I care about City Hall yeah. more than I do? <laughs> I but I was yeah, that kid and totally. I was always like I gotta be prepared for the culture war I'm not exactly sure what it is but it's, I'm gonna it's be happening. prepared yeah. I'm suiting up and baby. things are like, bad I'm in the Lord's army and I gotta do it but uh, Kevin do you have the audio of what Chris says at the end of the episode oh I sure yeah. do yeah I can I can find it and play it for because us. this is where the hairs on the back of your neck oh, are gonna so like chilling. stand up it's yeah it's it's chilling her tone too Okay, here you go, Chris. Here we go. God wants to be a part of everything in our lives. Sometimes that's hard because there are people who don't want Him to be a part of anything. And they work very hard to make sure He isn't. But we shouldn't let that scare us or keep us from doing what's right. Sometimes we have to fight to change the laws that want to take God out of our lives. And other times we have to think of creative alternatives. What was that? Adventures and Odyssey. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Chris. <laughs> what was that? She is just like the most goddamn chipper spokesperson for white Christian nationalism I've ever heard in my Isn't life. Isn't that crazy? And I know. She's just like bouncing along of like, and sometimes we have to change the laws or work around them. Her her video aesthetic Sayonara. is definitely someone who's constantly smiling. You can hear the <laughs> smile. So hear- to imagine someone smiling like, we have to change the laws that take <laughs> on out of it or the creative solutions, not just. We have to learn to live in harmony and respect our neighbors. Some people are working very hard. Some people's doing a lot of work in that outro, uh, and it's not the work you want. (laughs) And what's what's fascinating again? So many episodes of Adventures in Odyssey, like there is actually no mention of scripture, no like actual mention of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, like there's nothing. It's all just cultural. American Christianity stuff that has nothing to do with Christianity at all. But each episode, like there's a Bible verse that goes with the episode. And so the Bible verse for this one is Romans 13, one through seven, which I don't know if you guys are Please aware of. Please take it away. Verses. Yes. No, I'm not going to read them, but it's basically uh, about you must submit to all governing authorities. Like God put governing authorities in place and you must submit to it. And you know what's fascinating? Wink. You know who talked about Romans uh, 13.1 a whole lot was Jeff 
sessions. And so when Trump was president, every conservative Christian is like, Romans 13, y'all, Romans 13. We just got to submit. He's not the perfect Christian, but we got to do what, you know, God. And then, so I looked up when this episode was written, right? 1992. Because I was like, I'm getting some real, I'm getting (laughs) some like real vibes of like, there's probably a Christian in office, but there's still some laws we need to change, right? And yeah, it was... George W.H. Bush was in office when this episode was written, which makes so much sense, right? Well, we just got to toy with the laws a little bit. Now, I'm sure the next year when Bill Clinton, right, is is president, it's going to be even more targeted, like, we must fight at all costs to, like, combat. Like, <laughs> Romans 13 is never in play when there is a Democrat in office. Like, you don't hear it Yeah, or when you need Christians. to, like... Uh stop the police from killing people extrajudiciously all the time. And then it's like, oh, no, the rule of law is actually really good. And like, there's nothing we need to change there. I rendered a bill what is bills. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be so great if there was a thinly veiled like, Connie, did you see? There's a new saxophone player here from (laughs) Arkansas with a big old red nose. Hey, how y'all doing? (laughs) I don't know. I don't really trust lawyers. Why not? (laughs) Come here, you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, gracious. Um, Yeah, Yeah, they they did. A bone-chilling episode, for sure. Truly, truly chilling. Scary. (laughs) There's no citation for this, so this may be hogwash, but I thought it was just a funny piece of trivia. On the AIO wiki, It says, the controversial nature of the story launched an hour-long debate among the actors in the studio about the First Amendment and the true meaning of separation of church and state. While the discussion was healthy, it sure ate up a lot of studio time. Mm. So it's almost saying... Uh, our actors like didn't agree with had this issues at all. with yeah. this. Yeah, because again, that's the thing. If 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 you don't know about the production of this show, they're not just hiring local Colorado Springs theater people to do a little, you know, booth time on the show. They hire the best voice actors alive to be on this show. Pamela Hayden, who you may know as Millhouse on The Simpsons, played Katrina Shanks for you know a decade plus on this show. And like, you know, like good actor, Mark Evan Jackson was on this show. I know. I'm mad at him. He was in a horrible, horrible What about gay marriage, right? Yes. Yes. See? Listen, we've all done a little propaganda on accident in our way to make a buck. Uh, See, I wish cancel culture was slightly real. I don't really believe it's real. But I'm like, Mark Evan Jackson, you should have walked up the set. I should have talked to him about this when I met him uh, at a friend's party. You should have brought up Adventures in Odyssey. I would. That would be the first thing I talked to him. That feel good? Yeah. Nice pants. You're in the bad place now. Uh, Did you buy them with your Odyssey money? That's sweet, sweet Odyssey money. Also, I want to do a real-time fact check. Uh, Will Ryan did not play Eeyore on... That would have been such a cool callback, It would have been. I think it's referencing Hal Smith played Eeyore. Yeah, Hal Smith. I believe. Hal Smith. Or was he Winnie the Pooh? No, he wasn't Winnie the Pooh. But Will Ryan was Rabbit. He was Rabbit. Well, folks, we like to get creative with the facts on the show as well. And sometimes we have to rewrite history. We have to alternate All right. facts. See you next week. Alternative <laughs> facts. Yeah, should we? Man, I wish Chris, I don't even know her last name, but Chris, the announcer of this show, I would pay upwards of $1,000 to get her for to write. For a cameo? For a cameo and for her to have to say something like, 
lefty progressive as the outro for our show. Like sometimes white nationalism is something we have to combat in our personal lives through voting. Gerrymandering is wrong. Black lives do matter. This is Chris. Next time on Good Christian, can you imagine? If if my husband is listening to this podcast, this is my Christmas wish. Mm -hmm. Okay, Crispin? Crispin wish. Could you pay for... this to happen for this wonderful podcast. Thank you, Crispin. I'm going to manifest it. I'm going to manifest this for us. I will say the voice actress who played Connie, I believe, mm-hmm. reached out to me and Crispin because our podcast, our podcast, we did a lot of Adventures in Odyssey. That's what we did for a long time. That was our bread and butter. And nobody listened to it. That's fine. She listened oh. to it. And she oh. was like, I love your show. I love it, love it, love it. No. And I was like, Interesting. I was like, have you listened to the show? <laughs> Do you know? But she messaged us on Facebook. She emailed, like she she went through multiple and she would send pictures of her in the studio, like recording. Oh my god. And then god. like send it to me on Facebook. And I was like, Crispin was very impressed, but I was like, I'm not as big into it as he is. And so I was like, that's cool. But I doubt you're really listening because I fucking hate this show, you know? But Christmas still loved it. So something about it, she freaking loved Or maybe she's like, because her, you know, most consistent job for the better part of 30 years or however long she's done the show has been, as you know, a member of the Focus on the Family production, Adventures in Awesome. Maybe it's her little like signal you know like youtube beauty makeup people blinking where it's like yeah i love your show (laughs) save me please Uh, get me out of here get me out of here i will say i always feel an affinity to connie and eugene's voices out of all of these i love connie well they're the most consistent over all of these and even i don't know how old katie is now but she still sounds 17 years old on the show so this whole time i've just been imagining that you guys are eugene and connie (gasps) oh that's so nice Touching. No. And you've done a better job, Caroline, of like being bringing my conniness, the voice and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, you got to dork it up more. Yeah. I don't know do. if that's possible. Well, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen. I'm getting my practice in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't remember Connie laughing nefariously like that in the show. It's more of a Dr. Blackard thing. No, we do, on that note, we do need to have an episode in which I go to hell. The yeah. way that Eugene uh-huh. went to hell on Adventures in Odyssey. <laughs> Eugene, a chilling adventure in hell. That's right. Um, maybe they'll, you know, maybe. There no, was just that's not nice. Nothing. Just nothing. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe they'll bring that back next year. Uh, but may- maybe they won't. I don't know. <laughs> or what if, well, because here, here's also the thing about Eugene, because he's a science guy. He's a little yes. nerd. He went yes. to Campbell uh-huh. County Community College. And so he believes in science. So what if the mm-hmm. way they write him off the show is like, well, Eugene got the vaccine. And he had a bad side effect that led to his, you know, what if they try to push that sort of agenda on the would. show to the kids? It'd be like, like Eugene presenting evidence of like vaccines actually have a lot of side effects they don't want you to know about. And then he died the next day. Oh my God. <laughs> he had time to no, give some he, info. Yeah. He probably would. Or he pivots to like InfoWorlds or, or something. Well, Kevin, you'll be listening, right? To all adventures in Odyssey. You'll keep us up to date yeah. how Eugene dies in the show, right? Yeah. Do you want to okay. guess off the top of your head? I don't know if you know, do, but do you want to guess what episode they're on now? How many episodes they've made? It's like 900 something. So right? this is episode 214 that we just oh covered. Uh, Whoa. Yes. So they are on Episode 899 is wow, the most recent <laughs> Right on the money. Oh, my God. That aired. Isn't that wild? Wow. 
They just keep finding new culture wars to perpetuate. And they will never stop because... Well, the troops don't stop. They don't rest, you know? There's no days off. God bless them for that. (laughs) Oh, man. I can't wait to... uh, Yeah, I I, I do want to hear Odyssey take on CRT, masks. They have. I mean, not the masks, but they... uh, I don't know if you know this. They've done many uh, historical... Adventures in Odyssey episode. Mr. Whitaker is a kindly old man who only hangs out with children mm-hmm. at an ice cream shop that he created to just, you know, proselytize uh, young adults. And he created a machine, you know, the imagination station. And many of the journeys the kids go on are about history. And, you know, Ooh. I call it the revisionist history machine because all of it <laughs> is revisionist history. It's like, you see, Connie, slaveholders were nice Kindly people. <laughs> they like me. treated the slaves well. They said that. They did. In the I episodes. Mean, oh, I basically. Put it past him. I'm I'm uh there you know, it's just a lot going on with <laughs> with the history episodes in Here's general. The thing, Connie, is it's actually really livable to live in a cage with a lot of people and your children, oh you know? God. And it's better than living in the communist middle of uh, Central America. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Whoa. <God. laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we should write the spec for yeah, it. Yeah, we could uh, write it. And get hired. Yeah, we could do it. We'd crush it. Let's do a fake adventures in an Odyssey episode. Yeah. <laughs> adventures in Pasadena. <laughs> Somebody told me that once. They're like, you spend all your time ripping adventures in Odyssey. You try writing <laughs> like a 23-minute kids show about God. See I, how good you do. And I was like, yeah, I would be really bad at it. I don't want to do that. The complexity. It is you flawless logic, though. If you can't yeah. do the thing you're criticizing, you can't can't criticize it. If you can't be president, you can't criticize a president because it's like you Tough can't job. be president. Yeah. How so you what room run. do you have? <laughs> it's the same thing. Okay, let's rate it. We gotta give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Holy toast is thumbs up. We send Eugene, Connie, Lucy, Wit, Bart, Rodney, and the mayor all the way to heaven. Heaven-bound. Or holy rose, that's a thumbs down. We send them to where Eugene goes. Or purgatory, which is the space between. Connie, we'll start with you. I mean, Caroline, we'll start with you. Hey. Um, well, hey. I knew I was going to a culture war with this episode because okay. my skin was army crawling off of my bones the entire time I watched. Listen to, listen to it. Watched it. Well, you, you was so intense. You actually yeah, you saw watched it. it in your mind. I yeah. did. I, I could envision it. So I will clearly. say, flawless audio production, good music. No <laughs> notes on that. I'm not kidding. <laughs> respect where respect is due. Yeah. Um, these are professionals. Um, no, thank you to this episode. I did not like it. I don't think if even you were a child, this would be a fun one. Like this would be an upsetting, anxiety-inducing one. And mm-hmm. a lot of them, even if they are doing like culture wars topics, it's still like a fun story. And this was not that. So on that level as well, Holy Roast. Holy Roast from Caroline. Danielle, we turn it to you. What do you say? Yeah, I I don't have anything funny to say. Please don't. (laughs) It is just they need to go this entire radio program and any nostalgia anybody has for it needs to go to hell. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Kevin. You said it. Well, let, hey, I'm I'm not running the message boards anymore. Like it's it's fine. I got no stake in this uh, in this company. But I need to hear you say it. Say what? I don't like Adventures in Odyssey. A holy and I never rose, will. holy toast. I need. Yeah, I, I need not to hear you say it. I am not. 
Oh, audio's cutting out. I'm not a. Oh no, the Zoom's catching on fire. Emma, I am not fix a. Fix this uh, audio. I'm a. No, I'm a I think he said it. Put that on record. Oh no. You just like threw up. Oh my gosh. You okay? No, my gag reflex is kicked in. That was tough. Oh my lord! I'll 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 send it to hell, uh, lest I I face retaliation on Twitter from Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will cyber bully you. I know we I know, know you we will. Know this. Fair yeah, enough. fair enough. So so I I gotta take it there. Also, you know, I was disappointed with the way they portrayed the police in this episode. <laughs> the police was a nice Irish guy, Officer Captain like, O'Brien. Irish person in Odyssey. That would have been cool if they had, that was his culture that they put up, where it's like, see, we put up a menorah and a lucky like he's charm. Yeah, <laughs> like he's Catholic, yeah. Like a clover. It's like an offensive. I he's escaping it. like Protestant oppression in Ireland, which is why he came to Odyssey <laughs> to be a Catholic. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. but listen, we may be wrong, so give it a roast or a toast yourself out there on at Christian Fun Pod on Twitter. Get out there and... Pokemon go to the polls. Guess what? It grows the economy. Hillary and Joe, two people that want to take down your nativity scenes <laughs> and your small town America. Their number one they priority. Hate them. They hate them. It really bugs them. You know, what? what is a little sad is that when I think of, uh, you know, when, when people talk about oh, the true meaning of Christmas, what the meaning of Christmas, what Christmas is actually all about, the first image I go to in my head is a nativity scene. And uh, I wish it wasn't so. There's more stuff. There's more to be mine. Really? You yeah. think nativity when you think Christmas? Yeah. Uh, when when someone says the true, I'm saying when I hear the phrase, the true meaning of Christmas, the first image that pops in my head is of a nativity. Oh, what a little precious moment's brain you got over there. I know. So I'm not saying it's sweet. right. <laughs> What's well, the first image that pops into your head, Danielle? Like, what, what is it for you? When somebody says the true meaning of Christmas, yeah. do you want my honest answer? I do. I think of a Starbucks cup. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, and like Blood my red, dad freaking out about the war on Christmas. And then what's the image in your head? Um, probably like a Hallmark Channel movie <laughs> where people are talking about it because that's the only context anyone has ever talked about the true meaning of Christmas in my life. Oh my gosh. Hey, everyone check out, oh, I forget the executive's name. There's this amazing story. The guy who used to run the Hallmark Channel movie division left to do his own version of Hallmark Channel that's for real America and has backing from Eric Trump or I think Donald Trump Jr. And is like, it's so interesting where it's like, yeah, Hallmark was getting a little too, because he's the one that nicks, there was a same sex couple in one of the ads and he canceled the ad. And then he would later, you know, because the backlash, like, Interesting stuff. Like it's it's a part of everything. Huh. It's part like Hallmark is too progressive for some people. Amazing. It's true. It's true. Which is Hallmark which is taking unreal. a half-hearted stand. Oh, I love it. Uh all right, we're dimming the lights, but we're lighting up the Christmas tree lights in here. Dimming everything, taking it to a worshipful, more holy space. We're not here to plug ourselves or to promote our projects. We're here to lift them up to the Lord. It may be something we're enjoying in secular culture. It can be a Christmas thing. It could be something we watched recently that we loved. It could be whatever we want, and we're going to lift those things up, and we'll start with Caroline. You know, I do know the true meaning of Christmas, and it's following at Caroline's Farts on Twitter, on Instagram, heck, heck even TikTok. 
Well, Heck. Santa Claus is coming to town there. Bill. <laughs> I didn't say he was going to town there. Um, and my lift up this week is going to be uh, a book I, I just finished. It's a reread for me. It's a book from 1915. A Giving Tree. <laughs> uh, it's called The Rainbow by D.H. Lawrence. You may know him from Lady Chatterley's Lover. Um, it's just a great book if you like that kind of style. It, it covers like three generations of a family and their loves and their family and everything. And it's very poetic and moving. And it's, it's a little slightly offensive. I'm not going to lie, but it's also a little sexy and really enjoyed it. So if you're looking for a good novel, you know, to kind of lose yourself in, I think The Rainbow is a good one. The Rainbow. We turn it to Danielle. Yeah, you can uh, find me on social media. Usually I'm very depressed and very religious, if that's your jam. Um, And yeah, I I guess I just want to lift up, uh, you know, the last season of The Great British Bake Off. This is probably cliche, but it's the best season of television I've watched in a very long time. And if you like that, you should, tr- you should try a show called The Great Pottery Throwdown, where mm. one of the judges is this large man named Keith just, like, bursts into tears over pottery, like, constantly. Wow. And it's just delightful. Oh, I love that. It's delightful. Like yeah. That. I haven't burst into tears over pottery since watching Ghost. So I'd look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, when I'm did just, you watch Ghost, Kevin? Uh, when I was a kid, I rented on DVD <laughs> from my local blockbuster. <laughs> And I was like, well, I want to take pottery, too. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. And then where can uh, you people find your cyberbullying trail, your trail of oh, bodies? Oh, right, 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 right. It's, it's at DL Mayfield on Instagram, Twitter, and all that. And I have written a few books. I have another one coming out next year. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter on Peloton, Letterboxd, and OnlyFans. And uh, on sale still holiday markdowns, no, Black Friday sale extended. Hey, did I tell you I got indefinitely? A se- Wait, I don't think I told you this. I got a second fan. Oh, I got a second guy did. on there, and he said, Hey, I listen to GCF. I wanted to support oh, you. Well, Dexter's gonna be eating good tonight. I can buy him two bags of kibble provide for your son. Um, I don't know. I'll lift up. Uh, <laughs> I'll lift up uh, Come On, Come On, the Joaquin Phoenix movie where he's really normal. And I loved it. It was my favorite movie of the year. Wow, favorite of the year. Yeah, favorite of the year. Nice warm hug. 20th Century Women, guys, so you might like it too. Yeah, I might like that. Yeah. Black and white, austere. We'll check that out. The kid's really good, but what freaks me out, because the kid's American in the movie, the kid's British in real life. And I was like, that really creeped me out to find that later. Impressive. you know, put that out of your mind when you watch it. It's really good. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Go to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun for more good Christian fun. And leave us a little Christmas gift under the tree in the form of an iTunes review. Every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. This month's charity is Feeding America. Danielle... Thank you so much again for doing Thank the you, show. Thank you, friend. A, a true it pleasure. Was a pleasure. Pleasure yeah. to have a you know an expert on. Enduring another trip to Odyssey, <laughs> and there's nothing left to say except for, okay, okay I love, love you. you. Amen. Amen. All right, take us out, Chris. The Living Nativity was written by Marshall <laughs> Younger and directed by Phil Lawler. Our production engineer was Bob Latrell, and our executive producer Chuck Bolte. And I'm Chris. 
Hoping you'll join us again next time for more Adventures in Odyssey. That was a HeadGum Podcast.